Welcome to episode 17. I feel like we should give y'all a little bit of a warning. We usually record these on a Sunday morning when we're all like bright eyed and rested, but it is a Monday evening that we're (laughs) uh, recording on it. And if you have been joining us all along, you know what happens on Monday evenings. We get a little bit sillier than usual. (laughs) We're tired. We've worked all day and Mm -hmm. we are just a little slap happy. I mean, you worked all day. I worked very hard at being on vacation today. <laughs> ah, vacation mode. That's right. Good for it's you. So good. So we went on our first date so since sweet. before lockdown last year. Uh, we were able to find somebody to watch our kids. It was amazing. We went to this diner that we love the food. And I got this Eggs Benedict that was pornographic because <laughs> first of all it's on a croissant oh so they cut it in half and they do each of the eggs on a half of a croissant but i got mine with montreal smoked meat yeah, i'm out on that <laughs> oh no it's delicious <laughs> i'm out on the meat <laughs> oh that's right you're vegetarian well no i eat poultry but i don't eat like pork or so you could or- get you could get the one they have one there have still on the croissant they have one it has chicken and avocado and cheese okay i think they called it a california something frankly i think that's a bit of a stretch but you know what dare to dream <laughs> call it what you want i'm in okay sorry go ahead food porn no it was good it was food porn i quite enjoyed now, it did it feel weird for you to be out in public without yes. your masks yes or did you have to wear your mask to the table and then take it off no it- we did not have to do that because calgary basically was like not just calgary all of alberta Woo, we're ripping off all the restrictions of everything and it's like oh cool guys cool 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 two <laughs> um, more days and then it's on lockdown <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well our premiere pushed very very hard for 70 percent of eligible albertans so that would have been everybody over the age of 12 at that point i think i'm trying to think of when they when they started doing the 12 to 18 group it was definitely at least everybody do the age of 18 70 percent of albertans getting at least their first dose because they wanted to hold the calgary stampede i don't know if everybody knows what the stampede is if they've heard of it i think the equivalent is like a state fair my brother's girlfriend is american she lived here in calgary for a while and that's kind of she was like oh it's all the same like food vendors and all this that we see at our things and there's like rodeo events and stuff like that they usually usually ends up in the news because like a horse dies during the truck wagon races or something yeah it's really gross it's really really gross it's to be (laughs) honest is a terrible part of our culture or like i think it was about five years ago there was this young woman that got videoed like literally on the stampede grounds having a three-way and that yeah like it's a fucking wild it is a wild time (laughs) i remember my first stampede while working at the company that i'm working at now so it was five years ago and the building at that point was like three blocks from the stampede grounds we've since moved to a different building but where my team sat was by the back windows and we could see see out (laughs) and nobody could see in facing an alley and there was this young couple (laughs) that decided that that was a great place that they were gonna fuck (laughs) and we were like 
oh my God, what is happening? Cause it's during the work day. And so <laughs> this person on my team, I think she was like 23, 24. She like runs to the window, just pounds on the window. And these people freak out <laughs> like, yeah, and ran away. So, or that's also the time we like, again, same year, somebody went to go pick up lunch and they're like, I just saw somebody doing Coke on the street. <laughs> like, it's just, that's just see for me, like where I live, I live in the Midwest. So you say stampede, I'm thinking something maybe totally different, maybe. What kind of different are you thinking? Because like I said, like we're talking like cows, bulls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stampede, okay. Yeah. So it's yeah. like very cowboyish. Yes, it's very, okay. very cowboyish. That's like That's everybody so wears their cowboy hats and gear to the office that week. Oh, really? Um, wow. And, oh, yeah. I mean, there are some things that are, that are really cool and great about it. You know, like we have a parade and that's pretty cool. There's a pancake breakfast that spring up all around the city for the week. That's fun. But it's very like, yeah, there's a lot of debauchery and um, STIs that go around and just like, it's, yeah, it's gross. And so our premiere was hell bent on bringing it back to Calgary and I don't want to shock you, but the Scott family did not go this year. What? You missed out? We missed out. Actually, our kids have never been. They are six and nine years old. Sounds like it's a good idea that they don't. Right. Well, we thought last year might be the year. They do have like a family day and they do have like family friendly events and stuff. And so we thought we would take them last year. And then I don't know if you heard, but a global pandemic happened. (laughs) Living the life. Yeah. And so even with that, they're like, no, we have ways to make it safe. And we, uh, Neil and I both agreed absolutely not not something the scott family is interested in especially while our kids cannot be vaccinated and i just saw on twitter today that there's been a massive spike in in covid specifically in calgary the rest of the province has very very low but in the last week they identified 500 new cases when they were identifying like not that much before (laughs) you know what we're about ready to go on lockdown again because it's gotten out of control is that specifically your state or is that um i think just everywhere for sure my state my state sucks it's Mm -hmm. so bad and i think we're like 47th out of 50 on as far as getting vaccinated oh my god like 40 percent. it's because nobody wants to do it they all think it's the government putting something in them they're believing tiktok videos and stuff is your governor making it worse um my governor sucks (laughs) well you have josh Hawley, right well, Mike Parson is the uh, the governor. Oh, what does Josh Hawley do? He's a representative. and I mean, he's just, an asshole. Yes, they both are. It's like, you know, even we get rid of Trump and like two more spot out. And these two are, to take your pick, Ted Cruz and Mike Parson. Or, Barf. yeah, or replace one with Josh Hawley. You know. The Florida guy. Who's the Florida guy? Oh, there's one? Even, I don't even know. But DeSantis? I don't know. I'm Canadian. I don't need to know. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. All I know is that like, I was just talking to the boss before I left work today and, or the boss's wife. And she said that, yeah, we're probably going to go, I'm never going to go back to work full time because of like everybody. So even in my Mm -hmm. office. So here's the deal. So Mm -hmm. one of the ladies over in uh, accounting, she is pregnant. Mm -hmm. So we were talking about giving her a baby shower. Because it's like, oh, cool, you know, it'll be nice. Yeah. We've had several baby showers. We've had several babies born at the company. Not at the company, but <laughs> the company. it was a wild day. <laughs> it was. <laughs> Very messy. <laughs> so 
so we decided, you know, I, I'm on the events committee. I got like kind of bullied into it because only I get to do what I want to do for Christmas. So because of that, I have to join <laughs> the events committee. So uh-huh. like, here's something about me. Cause you know, mm-hmm. I love Christmas and starting next month, we're going to be, you know, I'm going to be talking about Christmas movies. Are you but, serious? Are you going to start it next month? Yeah, I'm going to start it next month. Sure. Oh my God. I love this. Y'all. I hope you're ready to hear about Christmas, Christmas movies, movies for the rest of the year. Yes. Well, I'll probably, those will probably be like on my, what are you watching type thing? Yes. But anyway, so I went over to accounting and I, I kind of sneaked this, this woman, she, she works in a cubicle. You know, I have an office. Mostly everybody has an office there, but we do mm-hmm. have some cubes. And so I'm like, are you comfortable with me in your cube? Because she can't, she's had so many issues with this pregnancy that she was advised not to get the vaccine. So so she doesn't have the vaccine. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, are you comfortable with me in your space? Because I've had, you know, I've, I've been vaccinated. I just want to know what you're, you know, since we don't ever, I never see her because we're staggered Mm -hmm. because we're on different teams. And so I just kind of wanted to, I was actually, I was going to talk to one of my engineers and uh, he was busy. So I, I was killing time because I was literally standing outside of her cube and I'm like, well, let me turn around and say hi and introduce myself. (laughs) Hi, I worked with you for three years. Mm-hmm. So, um, <laughs> nice said, to meet you. One of those where if I saw her out in public, I would not know who she was. I'd be like, yeah. She looks familiar. You know, we have 30 people in our office, but anyway. Oh my God. So, so funny. I'm thinking, <laughs> so I'm thinking to myself, oh my gosh, she isn't vaccinated. And we have five people in our office out of 24 who actually work in the office. Mm-hmm. Five of them refuse to get the vaccine. Oh no. So then I, when I was talking to the uh, the boss's owner, I'm like, look, we can't do this baby shower because we have to keep her safe. And half of the women do not have the vaccine. So uh, we're going to have to figure this out. People are going to have to start wearing masks. People are going to have to be required to wear masks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't want to jeopardize her or the baby. I mean, come on. No, that's where it would be so nice. Just before we started recording this, you were talking about what the president of France. Yes. Has been yes. saying you want to tell people about that in case they right. don't know. So what he's doing is it's like a vaccination passes. So basically it's like if you don't want to get the vaccine, great, you stay home. And the people who do have the vaccine, you get to go to the restaurants and you get to go to the movie theaters. And mm-hmm. so you just have to show that you have your you just have to show your vaccination card to get into places. And he's just like, this is what we're doing now. We're not doing it the other way. We're doing yes. it this way. So we're yes. rewarding the people who are getting the vaccine, not, you know, the other way around. So that's Good. cool. I wish we would do that here. I saw somebody on Twitter say, can we stop calling them vaccination passports and just call them what they actually are, which is vaccination records. Right. And I was like, records. oh, that's <laughs> so brilliant. Because it's true. That is all it is. It's just your record. Yeah. Use and it. we all, I mean, in the military, my whole life, we had them all over. I mean, we always had to have them. We had a little book. Mm-hmm. Here, I've had this vaccine. I've had this vaccine. So yeah. just to get into the different countries. So this is, I'm just, I'm floored by the stupidity of my country. Well. But I hear it's everywhere. It's not just, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, but I can't speak for other people. I can only speak for my own country because I'm here. I'm experiencing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just like, ugh. It's fair. Yeah. It's fair. Well, we want to give a quick shout out because since the last episode aired, someone supported us through Kofi and we just really want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
For anyone who's not familiar yet, Ko-fi is a site where you can financially support your favorite content creators like us. Unfortunately, because we don't know who sent it because you didn't leave a name or a message. We still want to just thank you so much. All the same. We truly do appreciate all the support because it helps us run this show, keep everything going smoothly. So thank you, anonymous, awesome person. Thank you very, very much. Yes. And it's listener question time. Hooray. Queer weirdo human being asks, do any of us, I guess, do us, do we? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do we read any books and like them way more than we expected to in the beginning? Go into a book, like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm excited to read this. And then you get done with it. You're like, oh my gosh, this was the greatest thing ever. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Let's just leave the answer there. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Next question. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I do find that that happens. Now, where it usually happens for me, I'll be honest, is typically with romance. I mean, it can happen with other genres for sure, but I think especially with romance, because if it's a premise that I've seen before, but maybe I pick it up anyway, because it's like, oh, you know, I like this trope. Like, oh, I like celebrity romances or, oh, I like age gap. Especially when you, um, I'm trying to figure out how to say this without bagging romance because it's literally the opposite of what I want to do. Like I love romance, (laughs) but also you can sometimes feel like you're reading the same book, just different characters, different situations. Right. Not every book is special. But then you pick up a romance thinking, yeah, this will be, this will be fine. This will be a good read. And then it just like knocks your freaking socks off. And that is what I love. And then when that happens, it's usually because there's some kind of a twist that I just didn't expect. Maybe it's the chemistry between the characters like that. I think last time I was talking about change of pace by KJ, the chemistry in that was such a surprise to me. Like it was so wonderful that I was like, Ooh, yes, yes. And that one, like I, I liked way more than I expected because the chemistry was just like so good character journeys. Like when you really see characters change and grow in ways that are really compelling but also like really believable and you just like can empathize with them and join them on that journey so those are the things for me that will make me like a book or if it's just like say it's an author that I've never read before and I'm taking a chance and like maybe I've heard good things this happened a lot with me last year with YA books so there was uh you should see me in a crown by Leah Johnson fucking loved it first person that character is hilarious crack my shit up all over the place you had home run after home run after home run i had all of your yeah you had a last year yeah Yeah, i had a really good year same thing girl serpent thorn which was more of a fantasy like it's based on persian mythology and history but girl serpent thorn by melissa basherduce i apologize profusely if i pronounced your last name wrong i don't you're gonna listen to this but just in case um also very surprising because it was like kind of dark and it gets to this point where you see the lead you see her figure out oh shit i have a choice here if i want to be like the villain or not and i was like "Ooh, what's happening here what's going to what's this going to do so yeah i love that what about you chris are there any books that you like do you find that at all do you read books and then you're like whoa this is wow like i thought this would be good but holy shit everybody you need to go get it i like it when like when you give me reading assignments, because I'm like, okay, there's a reason. Let's read this. So I go into a book with zero expectations. I mean, I know that there are certain authors I'm just going to like. And recommendations, I do get, I do receive a lot of recommendations from readers that are like, you really need to try this book. 
you know, give it a try. It's really, really good. For me, it's always, this is so weird. For me, it's plot. It's like, I wasn't expecting that. You know, I feel like I can fill in gaps. I feel Mm -hmm. like, and I don't know if that's just my writer mind filling in the gaps. If I find like a character falls flat, I don't know if I like in my head, just kind of like boost her up a little bit by, you know, Mm -hmm. creating stuff. But it's always like, if I'm, if I'm taken aback by the plot, like, oh, wow, that was a surprise. You know, if I don't, if something like I wasn't expecting, like, for example, the one thing I can think of is Strawberry Summer. The one thing in there that I wasn't expecting, I'm like, oh, it was one of those where I'm just, it was completely plot driven. And I was so surprised and shocked by it. I can't say it because, you know, because we're recording and I want to give it away. Come on. It's a part of me me that wants you to say it and then just have Neil put a sound effect (laughs) over it. People were so mad when we did that (laughs) about the drag queen names. And we bleeped out that one. I told one friend, I'm not going to lie. I cracked and I told my friend, Ed, who (laughs) he is so sweet. He has been like a fan and reader in the lesbian community for, geez, I don't know. Ed, how long has it been? He's going to listen to this later and he'll let me know. He'll say 12 years. No, it's not going to be that long. Probably about five, probably about four or five years. And he listens to the podcast and he was like, come on, come on. How how (laughs) bad can it? it be? how bad could this drag queen name really be? And then I told him and he was like, all right. (laughs) So there's a, but you know what? We have such clever listeners that Mm -hmm. like within seconds of it posting, people were like, oh yeah, just do this. Google this. (laughs) And like, like, like Wendy, like she figured it out right away. And she like messaged me and she's like, ah, hi, blah, blah, blah. So she, (laughs) she knew right away what it was. So, but yeah. So Love this is going to be one of those situations where right. I'll tell you after it. That's true. Actually, massive, massive plot twists. There's one in, I'm saying this very slowly as I try to think sure. of the name. About it. From the, <laughs> I like that we both do this. The Goodmans <laughs> by okay, Claire, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ashton. Claire Ashton. <gasps> Have you read it? Yes. Okay. The Mother... Are we giving it away? No, I'm just saying the twist around all of that. I felt like I was punched in the gut when I read that. It took me like three days to deal with the feelings that I got from that particular twist. I think that's the most impactful of any, in a good way, I would say. Because she also wrote a book called... Oh, something, something, Mrs. Hamilton. What the fuck is it called? It sounds familiar. I can't think of the name now, the full name. But there's a twist in there. I love twists. That was also gut wrenching, but in like a oh god kind of way, not in like a oh I didn't see it. I mean, there is a oh I didn't see it coming. But yeah, that one is much more. If I had a pen. If I had a pen, I would like write it on a piece of paper, but because <laughs> like I was so late to this podcast today that I, I just feel like we're all just doing our best, Chris. We are. We You're are just doing, doing your best. Our it's best. fine. You can tell me when it's over. Yes, I will. I will. The thing is, I've read the book. I just don't remember what you're talking about. <laughs> well, for I me, it's kind of it like it came out. It's, it's one of those where, you know, I like when I escape and I pick up a romance, yeah. I need low angst sweet a little she, size oh what but she writes angst bombs so that's here's 
like, I think everybody is like, oh yeah, Melissa Brayton, sweet romance. She seems like a really sweet person. And then you pick it up and you're like, oh yeah, like, punch in the fucking face. Right. Good right. luck. Waiting That's in true. the wings? Mm, the Wait, br- no, no. Tangled. Wait. Is that the first one? I think that's the first one. Right. Tangled was the first one. That was like a roller coaster. Up, down, up, down, up, down. I was like, oh, my God. Okay. Phew. Yeah. Oh, my that God. One, that Ooh. one was fine. But I think for me, so Waiting in the Wings, I think that one hit me so hard because that was one of the romances that I read in my first year oh, of yeah. reading Lesfic. And so I started reading Lesfic as she started publishing. And I think her first book and your first book came out around the same time, didn't they? Like, Not anywhere close. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, of course. We're like three years apart. Really? Three, yeah, we're three years apart. Okay, well, maybe she only had one book out at that point. like, Or maybe she only had that and Heart Block or something. But anyway, it was within that first year that I started reading. And I was not prepared for the breakup scene. Which I don't feel, I don't feel like that's giving away a lot because most of Melissa Braden's books have breakups and then makeups. Like she doesn't tend to write the, like Chelsea Cameron, part of why I love her books is that they don't have the breakup and then makeup. It's like tension comes from elsewhere. It's like, will these two sweet dumb idiots figure out they're in love with each other versus (laughs) get them together, break them up or whatever. But yeah, that one also, I was gutted. Until they got back together. And then I was like, oh, okay. But you know what's going to happen. So it's, en- it's entangled. That's what it's a, the, yeah. So it's entangled, not tangled. I'm thinking like the movie with the hair, but. Oh yeah. Very entangled. different. Yeah. So, <laughs> very yeah, very different. Different. so not one tangled, but entangled. Yeah. One has 20 foot hair. <laughs> exactly. Blondes, but whatever. <laughs> I remember that being, I remember that book being good, but I don't remember much about it specifically because it was a pandemic book for me Uh, and so there was a period last year where I was reading romance and it just wasn't hitting the same way for me like that was just one of my pandemic damage things and so now I'm I'm back to being able to read it but I still can't read it exclusively I read it exclusively for like almost 10 years and then last year my brain was like what if you didn't for me, it was, uh, I actually had the time to read mm. my deadlines. I mean, mm-hmm. my deadlines were hard, but I also had more time at home. I had time to, on my downtime, I was able to read more. So yeah. I was able to, and that was nice. You know, I don't get to do that very often, especially like I have deadlines. I have like four deadlines coming up. Boom, 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 boom. Right back, you know, month, 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 month. So I'm so excited nice. about the one that you're writing. Oh yeah. Forever. Right. Yeah, I'm excited too. <laughs> We're not going to tell people about it. We're just going to no. tease you. You'll hear yes. about it later in a future podcast. <laughs> and I think, I want to say that it's now available on Amazon to pre-order it. It's a May book of 2022. What? And it's available for pre-order. Is this the one that takes place in another country? No, or does that comes out in January okay. of 2022. Oh, so the one I'm excited that's about available. is up for pre-order. All right. Well, yeah, so it's available. I'm so excited. I saw that. I was like, oh, it's always a surprise when I see mm-hmm. like a book that I barely writing that's available. So that's right. Nice. All nice. right. So if you yes. want to support your local lesbian author, Woo! go pre-order Chris's forever. two books. Yes. Always or... and forever. Always and forever. How amazing is that? That's adorable. Isn't that adorable? God damn it. You, you know Kate. what? Wait, it go. wasn't, it wasn't even <laughs> planned. 
Sandy pointed it out to me. She goes, oh, always and always and forever. I love that. And I'm like, oh my God, that's right. Because <laughs> it's like two <laughs> different ideas from two different, you know, like several months apart. Yeah. And yeah, so. So funny. All right. We have one more listener question. Listen, okay. y'all, we did warn you that it might get a little meandery right. and strange tonight. So please enjoy. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So the next question, Jenny on Twitter has a question specifically for you, Chris. And we're going to talk about this question. Okay. Have you ever acted out a sex scene from one of your books with a special lady and for her follow-up, which one? And so I'm going to say, rather than specifically answering this question, unless okay. you'd like to, I'm not going to hold you back from your bliss. You tell me, what boss, what are we doing? I want to know how many times have you been asked this question or something similar about, so how much of the sex are you writing have you done? So that is a very popular question when I'm on panels that deal with, you know, writing the romance, writing the heat, writing sex scenes. That is a very popular question. And the answer is, no, I'm just kidding. There's no dramatic <laughs> pause. I was like, well, I mean, sex in general, I mean, every character is different, you know, and, mm -hmm. and it's different on the page and has different experiences than I do. I mean, there are some real specific things like strap-on sex. You have to have some experience with that to kind of work through the whole scene and do it mm -hmm. in a tasteful and, and, you know, manageable way that's believable. So, I mean, yeah. So there's, there's some stuff that we have to try out and some stuff you can just like, we can just make believe or pull from experiences that happened years ago that I don't recall or who with, you know, because sex is different with every person. That's right. And so, yes, but not really a specific thing. Mm -hmm. It's just, it all rolls together. The thing that I find interesting is how that does seem to be one of the first questions that people ask when they have an opportunity to ask an author. And I just wonder, well, what questions would that person ask of a mystery author? <laughs> like people have you killed? How many people <laughs> like, okay, so you probably haven't killed anybody because you're not in prison, but like, how many people have you fantasized murdering in this very specific way, <laughs> you know, yeah. or something like that, like, yeah. or sci-fi authors, how true is this? To, like nothing. It's true to nothing. Right. Like, <laughs> like I can't imagine walking up to Georgia beers at a conference and saying, Hey, so when you're fucking, <laughs> is it like this character or like this character, <laughs> you know, like it's, I just cannot, yeah. um, Georgia, if you're listening, I'm sorry. That was a, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> but I would never ask. It was the point. I, yeah. It's, it's interesting because, you know, when you write, you, op you open yourself up, you're very vulnerable. Once your book mm -hmm. comes out there, it's out there for everybody. It's, it's out there for everybody to interpret the way they want to talk about it, say whatever they want to review it, however they want to. It's kind of like a gap between a lot of readers like know me. Mm -hmm. uh, through books, through my books, like they feel like they know me better through my books and they're a little personal, personal with me. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. It uh, does make sense. Um, I've occasionally, I mean, not in nearly the same degree as your other authors would, or even frankly, other celebrities who are much, much, much more famous than any of us are. But that idea of, oh, well, I've been listening to you on a podcast for a few years, so I know who you are. And it's like, okay, but I don't know who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I appreciate your support and your enthusiasm. That's super cool. But like, can you tell, 
who are you? <laughs> Can you let me know? Like most people are really, really lovely. For sure. And they're very respectful mm-hmm. um, without a doubt. I mean, it's kind of funny because I have such a squeaky clean kind of look at you look with your eyes. Now that I've gotten to know you better and I like for sure, I know that I don't know you the best of anybody in your life, but like I just now that yes, now that I know you better and a little bit of the way your mind works, I love that that's your image <laughs> it is it's i have the squeaky clean cutesy dimple type persona or like just how people know me and it's so funny because like i never like i know ne- nobody slides into my dms it's hilarious everybody's like oh i had to delete all these messages because like these people keep sending me whatever and i'm just like really so i like look at my phone my like, no nothing there no but it's great today. yeah no boobs <laughs> but it's actually really sweet it's really nice because that just shows that there is a level of respect that people have for me mm-hmm. and appreciate me and I feel like you know maybe they do see me as kind of a friend and you don't talk like mm-hmm. that with your, like I would never dm you boob pic because we're friends so <laughs> you, you did you did tell me to send you one once I when I was when you're baked I was so fucking baked that you are lucky I did there was a part of me that was like should I do this and then I was like that's not something I do Chris don't ask for that but like for a moment I was like maybe I don't know why does she want this <laughs> I love it because you're just so cute. You're like, I'm so big. Boo picture. <laughs> you're like, uh, okay, uh, maybe. <laughs> Which is amazing because like you didn't actually want it, <laughs> but it would have been your fault if I did. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, you know, I love to be playful and I love having fun yeah. with, you know, with other women in my life just because it's, you know, celebrate us, you know, and I love having people, you know, being around people have the same type of humor that I have. Yes but not in a crass way. No. And in conclusion, don't yes. DM Chris your boot right. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So what that means is the squeaky clean image is still going to be squeaky clean. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so what is your favorite to add onto that or kind of to add onto all of that? Like, cause we're talking about the types of questions that authors get asked the most often. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite question to get asked about your writing? That's a tough one. That's so broad. What's All right, so don't answer it. <laughs> That's funny. Yes. Or like what types of questions are fun? Well, you asked the great question last time. I think it was last episode where we talked about writing sex. Or was it two episodes yeah. ago? I love writing sex. I love mm-hmm. I love the intimacy of it. I love everything, you know, just building up to that scene, to that moment, because it's so important. You know, the first mm-hmm. time you have sex with somebody, it's, it's, it's an incredible experience. And you have to write about the good and sometimes the not so the awkwardly you know mm-hmm. things like that that happen because nobody's very few people get it right the first time you know there's still a little learning curve you have with people yeah so I love that I love the whole learning curve and just writing and capturing the intimacy of the moment that's that for me I, that's what I love I love it it's like I'm, I'm mm-hmm. building up to the sex scene in this book and I'm so excited well okay so you just made me think of another romance that really surprised me it's the first in the tricky series by cameron eyed i think that's how you pronounce her last name e-y-d-e i think the first one's called tricky wisdom they have the worst first kiss followed by an incredible second kiss nice and it was just so good to see that because it's like first kisses and romance are often just like this it's amazing. I feel the sparks. We're going to be banging later. Like, it's so good. But in this case, it was like, oh my God, that was a terrible kiss. How could it possibly be 
this bad. And then it was like, well, let's try again. And then it worked the second time. And I was like, yes, nice. <laughs> My worst first kiss. Well, I have, I've, ha- I've actually had several worst first kisses was when they asked me afterwards. So what do you think of my kissing? <laughs> oh, like, oh, and you're just praying for the ground to open up below right. you. I have to go. I'm so sorry. I have to go. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's making me need to leave this place yes. right now. <laughs> like that is such an awkward question to ask somebody that you just kissed. Like no. literally you just, you, you built up to this moment and you kiss. And so what did you think of that? Like, that really? is not the time to debrief. No, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go debrief uh, about the situation. Uh, can we get a uh, blameless postmortem here? Please. Right. And thank you. <laughs> like, what the was, I was like, what is happening? Like, no, uh, uh, no, no. Yeah. No, that happened. No. Not into it. No, no. All right. So Chris, what have you been watching or reading? I have been watching every single thing on television. This is exciting. Because you've been been writing? Because I have been writing. I have been writing. It was a writing weekend for me. So that's all I did was I had the TV on the whole time. But Mm -hmm. I am still continuing the alone saga. Good. And I honestly can't remember if we're down. I don't. Last time it was five. But mm-hmm. I don't know that this week they had anybody go out. So I think we're still at five. Oh. Tessens left. So five. I'm watching that. And then Ted Lasso started. <gasps> right? So good. We watched it too. Yes. So mm-hmm. but so they're doing the one episode every week. I'm and very, like, I'm not into that part. No. I'm not okay with that. We, because we didn't watch it until the whole season was out the first season. Right. And then you binged it like the whole, yeah, the whole weekend. Mm-hmm. That's what you're, yeah. And then now we got to watch it once a week. So that's, that's where like the handmaid's tale is different because they give you three episodes, bam, bam, bam. And then they mm-hmm. do the, the weekly. So you get that fix in real fast. And then, then you're like, chill. So. Oh, see, I've already got it because I feel like I just got a little taste of a visit with friends and I want to spend more time with these friends. Right. And the thing that I love, well, I mean, the, the, the character that I love the most, I think that's really coming out for me is Roy Kent. Because he's so <laughs> grumpy, but he's so tender. And I love that. And it's been so fun seeing, because I mean, I follow a lot of romance authors on Twitter who are also writing like male-female romances. And the thing that I love to seeing all the people that are saying like, hello, take note, this is how you write a hero. Because I would read it. I don't even read male-female romances anymore, except for that one that I talked about a few episodes ago, Hang the Moon. But like, I would read a book about a Roy Kent type character because oh what too because like we are like cursing buddies like he curses yes. as much as i do yes oh my god and, and his I, little niece like taking like 1236 yeah. pounds or whatever yes <laughs> well and there was this clip going around of so it's him and keely and they've just come off of it of a of a double date with so Keely is his girlfriend in the show. Rebecca is the like gorgeous statuesque blonde woman who owns the football team. Yeah. And he basically tells her, don't settle for this other guy. You deserve so much better than that. And I saw the clip first, just like going around on Twitter. And I was like, oh my God, my heart, my heart. Like, I like, it's such incredible advice coming from this guy who has a voice. It's kind of like this. Yeah. yeah. He's, he refuses to show emotions, you know, and he's like, his anger is super quick, quick fuse. But yeah, he's just a big teddy bear on the inside. 
right? He goes to yoga classes with these like 50 and 60 year old women. But is it yoga? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I loved how the episode ended. <laughs> yes. It was that, so good. Yeah, that was a good one. <sighs> Love it. And I also watched the movie Gunpowder Milkshake because we have to talk about this. Yes. We also saw it last weekend. What did you think about it? Okay. So I didn't know anything about it. I just mm-hmm. saw, like, uh, first of all, Cersei's in it from Game of Thrones. Yes. So I'm in. Like, I'm in, right? Sure. And Angela Bassett, who's like in my top mm-hmm. five. Like she's, I just, she's badass. I love her. And who's, so the, like, who's the Asian woman? What is her name again? Michelle uh, Yeoh. And Michelle Yeoh. Okay, Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, she's been in a lot. So it's had a pretty decent cast. Yeah, even the main. Oh, shit. I should know her name. Jillian. Yeah, I got nothing on that. Um, Karen. Karen Gillan. Karen? She's a Karen? Stop. I think so. Yeah. No. Is she? Yeah. Stop it. Pretty sure she is. But my phone's across the room. I'm going to look. Yeah, she was on. She was on. She was on the companions on Doctor Who. And then she played. Um, What's her name in Guardians of the Galaxy? Yes, I'm listening. I'm also typing. But I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure her name is Karen. Okay, Karen. Boo. Uh, (laughs) Gunpowder milkshake. Yeah, Karen. Jillian. Karen. She's named Karen. And she was she was fine. Look at you. Um, She was fine. But okay. So why didn't you like it? I'll tell you why I didn't like. Well, I loved it, but it wasn't a recommendation for me. Even though people say it's queer it just wasn't queer enough for me it's not it's not well, i don't think it is a queer movie i think it is a movie with queer subtext and i think that the costuming on angela bassett and michelle yo was doing a lot of the queer subtext heavy lifting i would like to give an award to those costumes and those costumes only <laughs> deserved it yeah no, I mean, it, th- there is like an implied past relationship between Angela Bassett and Lena Hetty. Is that right? Yes. Cersei. Yes, Cersei. And also Michelle Yeoh and Carla Good. How do you pronounce her last name? Look at us. We should Gugino? have been more We're terrible at this. This is awful. <laughs> Monday night yes. is the night. Um, okay, we have Karen Gillen. 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 Yeah. It's like the GIF, GIF thing. Right? It is. Uh, Lena Headley. Carla. Gugino? Good luck. Gugino? I think so. Gugino. So there's also supposed to be, so like her and Michelle Yeoh are supposed to be together. Right. But even then, it's mostly based right. off of not even Oops. like a kiss on the cheek or anything like that. It's a whispering in the ear. And it's like some camera type perspective stuff. And then like a short scene resolving some stuff later on. I wish that the subtext would have actually just been fucking text, first of all. Can we <laughs> right. just call it like a lady gay gang? Because how amazing right. is that? That Give would me... be, I would promote the shit out of that. Correct. Like that. Yeah. But everything else was like, no. See, now I, tone, I, I like, enjoyed it because it was so, it was kind of like dark, but yet whimsical. Like it was kind of like a Pulp Fiction meets Winnie the Pooh. See, and that is actually the problem that I have with it is that that movie didn't know what genre it was because sometimes it was noir. It was great sometimes for my ADD. It was a what? It was great for my ADD for sure. <laughs> like it was feeding my brain everything I needed. No, it was giving me Dick Tracy vibes at times. Oh, yeah. Like yeah, from that true. old movie. Like I didn't hate it. 
and it held my attention, but I, I got to the end and I was like, I mean, yeah, I guess it's a movie. Like nothing, nothing felt special <laughs> about it except but the costuming. But sometimes you just need that. Sometimes it's like why sometimes I just pick up just a fluffy romance or write a fluffy romance because sometimes you just need it and it just mm-hmm. doesn't need to. It doesn't need to be heavy and weigh on you. It could just be a movie. No, I didn't need it to be heavy and weigh on me. I wanted it to be great, like Ocean's 8. I was hoping that this was going to be the next kind of like... This was a pandemic movie. I know, but Ocean's 8 was so... Maybe I should just go watch Ocean's 8 again. That's what you should do. Speaking of gay subtext. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We should watch it for next time. We should watch Uh. it and talk about it. Okay, remind me, because I'm going to forget that we discussed this, but I like this idea very, very much. Okay. All yes. right. All right. What about you? What are you watching? What did you watch this week or read? All right. So I am still watching, of course I am, RuPaul's Drag Race, All Stars, season six. I have to say, this season is killing it. It is so, it is so good. I think it's the best out of all the series so far this year. And I liked UK season two. Season 13 was okay, but felt like it dragged on forever. I was not a fan of Australia. I ended up being very disappointed in Australia. But no, it is is so good. It's brought, like, it's really reminded me that there are some of the queens that I just fucking love. Like Ginger Minch and Eureka, they are just both such talented performers. And a couple of weeks ago, there was a lip sync and they brought back Mayhem Miller and it was Ginger Minge who was going up and they were lip syncing to the song. I think it's called phone by Lizzo. Okay. And it was where Ginger Minge really showed off like how you can do a lip sync and bring comedy into it mm-hmm. and make it perfect. I was screaming. It was so good. And honestly, there were some Queens there that, are really lasting and going the distance that I just did not really pay attention to in their own season. So Trinity K. Bonet is a perfect example. The only thing I remembered about her was that she was like the one queen that ever uh, disclosed that she had an HIV status. And not only is she an incredible, oh my God, she's doing so well. But I also love that they did, um, they did a parody of the Red Table Talk series that like Jada Pinkett Smith and Willow Smith and I think her mom or whatever does together. But in that, Trinity K. Bonet talks about, again, about her HIV status. And that was where I learned that you, like, with the right medication, it's not transmissible. Oh. And I just, like, I oh. love that the show is making space for things like that. So it's, like, it's just continuing to be a more and more socially conscious show, but still bringing, like, the fashion and the pageantry and all of that of drag. You know, they had two trans women on this season, and one of them is still there, and she is doing amazing kylie sony glove so good so yes i am loving that nice i'm gonna share my screen again okay so that i can see their notes (laughs) there we go there we go in terms of what i'm reading so there are two i believe they're both indie books and i've never read anything by either of these authors before the first one i've only just barely started but it still seems like it's gonna be pretty fun it's called cinders of yesterday by jen carner it is the first in a new series and it's about a paranormal hunter named danny black and she's out for revenge because a necromancer killed her partner not her i don't believe it's a romantic partner i believe it's just a a partner in paranormal hunting and so she has to find this she's where i'm at now it's like okay she's going to find this special weapon because this necromancer is 
impossible to kill so far. And when she goes there, she's going to find Emily, who is supposed to be the oldest daughter from a magical family. I am assuming that she will be a love interest. The thing I wasn't sure about at first, but I am increasingly becoming endeared on. Is that a right sentence? I don't care. (laughs) I think I used that wrong. But here we are. (laughs) It's okay. Um, Often just like the writing feels very over the top. And it's like, I kind of like it. Because it's giving me the like season one Winona Earp vibes where because there were times you were watching it. You're like, this feels a little bit cheesy. And then it's like, it's a little cheesy. Yeah, but it's great. Yes. Yes. You just have to embrace it. And then it's amazing. And I have there's I'm feeling so much hope that this book is going to bring like that kind of vibe and that kind of fun to it so um i don't know if you'd like to read along with me people are welcome it's it sounds like a video game it sounds like one of the games you play it does sound like a video game although i it mean does. when you describe winona Earp, that could be like a video game too couldn't right a hundred percent could be hmm. somebody make the video game please i yes. would like to play it <laughs> yes tara would totally play it and i right? could do then Yes. And make it just make sure to make it super gay and then we'll um oh, make yeah. it an official well, recommendation. <laughs> that right. would be the thing to get you to get a switch, wouldn't it? Right? Right. A Winona it would video 100%. Game? Yes. All right. So if you all want me to get a switch, that's what you have to do is make a, a video game out of the Herb Sisters. No big deal. Right. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what? Two days worth of code. Come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you need to go listen to Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like oh years worth of work oh geez the other book that i'm reading i'm having a lot of fun with it it's called undercover madam by jj arias i think that's how you say that again i apologize it's like today is the day that we're picking all the names that we don't know how to pronounce for right <laughs> It is an age gap employer employee romance. Uh, I'm a little farther along in this one. Very much having fun with it. So the idea is that Charlotte is an accountant. She grew up in foster care. And the only person she's ever really been close to in her life is one of her foster brothers, Jason. He's her best friend, still is. He is with the police. He's been trying to take down. There's this woman who runs a, owns and runs a spa. But the, the police suspect that she is using it kind of as a cover for a high-end escort business. So the kind of next best solution that they figured out is, well, they're hiring an accountant. So what if he gets Charlotte to go get that job and then pass information back? And if she does this, she's been promised by the Miami, I think it's the Miami police, um, that they will help her get into the FBI as a forensic accountant, which is her absolute dream. The problem, of course, is that she gets on site and meets the owner, Alexandra, and gets a lady boner immediately. (laughs) Um, Like they just, they have this incredible immediate chemistry. They both get pants feelings right away. They haven't done anything about their pants feelings, but I think they're going to. I do not know if she actually is a madam. I don't know, like, if she actually does run, like, I... I'm not sure what is actually happening there on that point. But one of the things that I really appreciate about it is that even though she's helping Jason with the investigation and there's, you know, the whole criminality aspect of it, it's not negative about sex work. It's not shaming the idea of sex work. I haven't come across anything like that, which I really, really love and appreciate because 
if it wasn't, I don't think I'd be able to get through that. My personal feminism is highly intersectional and includes sex workers as a part of it, as well as trans women, women of color. Like I don't want my feminism to only be standing up for women who look and are living lives like mine. So hopefully that holds crossing both sets of fingers. Only Chris can see that because <laughs> we don't release the video, but yeah, I am hopeful that I've made it about a quarter of the way into the book and it's been that way. So I don't see it taking a turn in that way. So I really do appreciate that. Good. So Chris, what yes. is your official recommendation this week? Okay. Hey, my official recommendation is completely inspired by the Olympics. Okay. I decided to watch a sports movie. Tell me more. Okay. Well, first of all, did you know that there are 160 LGBTQ athletes in the Summer Olympics? Did you know that? No, I did not. Yes. How many? It's a huge jump. 160. How many athletes total are there? Like, do we know, know what percentage that? I don't know what the percentage is. I didn't get that far. I was super excited to see the 160 because the last time, the last count, I think, was back mm -hmm. in Rio and, they, and it was like 56. They only had 56. Oh, yeah. So Yeah, that's a big difference then. This is a big difference. So I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm into sports. Let's watch something very cool. And so I decided to watch a 2017 movie called Battle of the Sexes with mm -hmm. Emma Stone and Steve Carell. And I'm sure right now everybody's like, boo, that's a boring movie, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's old and irrelevant, but it really isn't. It's actually, it's, it's still very, very important. And I think that if you have an evening that you should watch this movie if you haven't seen it because what you is know. it about i don't yes. even remember this okay well i will read to you the movie blurb i'll call it the blurb because it's <laughs> what I have to do for books i know it's called something else but it's blurb in the wake of the sexual revolution and the rise of women's movement the 1973 tennis match between women's world champion billie jean king who is played by emma stone the beautiful emma stone Mm -hmm. An ex-men's champ and serial hustler, Bobby Riggs, played by Steve Carell, was billed as the Battle of the Sexes and became one of the most watched televised sports events of all time, reaching 90 million viewers around the world. As the rivalry between King and Riggs kicks into high gear, off-court, each was fighting more personal and complex battles. The fiercely private King was not only championing for equality, but also struggling to come to terms with her own sexuality. And her friendship with Marilyn Barnett developed friendship, quote. And Riggs, one of the first self-made media-age celebrities, wrestles with his gambling demons at the expense of his family and wife, Priscilla. Oh, Together, no. yeah, I know, that's, we'll get into that. Together, Billy and Bobby serve up a cultural spectacle that resonates far beyond the tennis court, sparking discussions in bedrooms and boardrooms that continue to reverberate today. So, first of all, Emma Stone enough set beautiful but the cast is actually really really good steve carell does a fantastic job playing bobby riggs and elizabeth shoe plays his wife right oh whoa yes i didn't right? know she was still acting yes and uh alan cumming is in it he's like the uh the he was he used to be a tennis player but he also is the fashion designer for the women's league oh, so and bill pullman bill pullman that's a great cast yeah, it's a very, and Silver, uh, Sarah Silverman's in it too. Hmm. It's like a fantastic cast. Yeah. So I saw it when it was back in 2017. I saw it and I was like, yeah, it's cool. All right, I'll watch this. But watching it now, four years mm -hmm. later, after all the shitstorm that has been going on in my country, 
Mm-hmm. Like it definitely is worth watching. So the movie starts off with Billie Jean. She's uh, she just wins women's world champion the the title. She just wins it, and she finds out that she's only getting paid one eighth of what the men are getting paid. One eighth. Mm-mm. And so she's like, screw this. I'm going to make my own tournament. We're going to like start our own league. We don't need you men. And so she's fighting for equality, for women's equality, you know, and it's early 70s. Mm-hmm. And, you know, women aren't, I mean, women in the 70s were treated horribly. And it's not like they're, you know, we've, we've moved, we've, we've grown, we've gotten a lot more, or at least we've closed the gap, but we're not there yet. And it's mm-hmm. really obvious by, by watching something in the past to see just how bad and how far we've come as women. And like she, she's, she's, so she's fighting with equality and then she's trying to figure out her own sexuality. You know, she's married. She has this, this gorgeous, I want to say just like, just really supportive husband. And he's like in the tennis world too. And he, he used to, I don't know if he used to play or if he's just in charge of like all these different tournaments or what he has a big, big role in tennis is, is basically it. Mm-hmm. And he kind of stumbles in on um, Billy Jean kind of hooking up with the hairdresser. And so, yeah, so he's just kind of like, hmm. he doesn't really, I mean, it's not a negative reaction and I'm really, really surprised. Yeah. And, and so he kind of approaches her and he's like, look, tennis is her number one, is Billy's number one love and we're second. So he kind of accepts it. So she's trying to figure out, so Billie Jean's trying to figure out her own sexuality during this time. You know, she knows she's attracted to women, but there's, you know, she's fighting this whole tennis world. So uh, what's his face? Bobby is trying to goad her into playing Battle of the Sexes. And she's like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to stoop. I'm not going to do this as like a circus type thing because he's real flamboyant and he's like Mm -hmm. really... Like in your face, women suck, not women suck, but he's like, ah, women are inferior, blah, blah, blah. And so she's not, she's not taking the bait. She's like, no, I'm not, I don't have time for this. I'm, this is a serious thing for me. Obviously it's not for you. So he actually convinces this other woman who, who actually beats Billie Jean and becomes first, you know, number one seed player. Mm-hmm. Uh, her name is Margaret Court. And so she actually oh. plays the first battle of the sexes and she just gets like, she gets smeared creeped all over i mean she's just like it did not go well isn't she the terrible homophobic australian she is australian but like doesn't she pop up in the news every so often now for being so disgustingly homophobic i don't know and and she there was only one line in the movie she only gives one line where she's just kind of like yeah we know about you type thing so she's like homophobic but not like that wasn't even the, that's not even the the story you know what i mean it's one of those who are because yeah, you know, yeah, yeah she was fighting so much she's fighting the people you know she's on this team with she's fighting women in the league you know and so uh so anyway, so margaret does this she loses and what's interesting is that you know billy jean says don't do this he's only going to make a mockery of women's tennis don't do this and she's like uh she does it for the money so she's like i'm just gonna do it because i'm gonna beat him and she doesn't and so the announcers are just jerks. And these are like mm-hmm. the real announcers. I mean, they're not the real announcers, but they're like, this is how they talked back then. And no. so like my quotes for, for movies and this one is just like horrible quotes. Like I'm trying like face it. She just can't handle Bobby's game. The thing with women is that they find it hard to consistently handle the pressure. They're not built for it. Maybe now it'll stop the women from demanding more money than men. They aren't in the same game. It's a man's game. 
this is an easy triumph against motherhood and mother and women's liberation. It's like, like people said this out so loud gross. on so television. Gross. So, and so then Bobby wins and he's like, Hey, look at me. I'm, I'm the number one seed women's tennis player because I just won. And he goes, and I will put out a hundred thousand dollars for anybody who can beat me. So of course, you know, Billy's like, now I got to do this. You know, now mm-hmm. I got to do this. The interesting thing about all of this is that, you know, he's, he's, he's actually, he would be like a social media, like he would be on social media all the time. If, mm-hmm. if, you know, if this was taking place in today's time, that's yeah. all he does. He promotes himself. He's such a big self promoter. And here's the cats. Like the whole thing about this is that his, his wife supports him. She comes from wealth. And so he's dogging women left and right, but you know, Mm-hmm. she's opening up her purse to support him for everything he has like bad gambling habits and stuff like this but she loves him because he makes her laugh anyway so he like like during all of this beginning of of you know the the lead up to it he does all this mockery of tennis and he doesn't like try to to work hard at it he's actually a really good tennis player like he's mm-hmm. won Wimbledon he's won a bunch of stuff he's number one so he's like I love women I love them in the bedroom and then in the kitchen and I'm going to put an end to this women's crap once and for all this women's lib crap. Like, so he's just like a jerk, like the whole time he's a jerk. Mm-hmm. And it, here's the thing. And I don't know if this is real or not. So I, I didn't look into this, but they had interviewed at the time. And during this 1973 battle of the sexes, they actually interviewed celebrities. And so they played those clips back. Oh, so that's very interesting. And they looked like they were young. And I can't imagine that they, I mean, I, maybe it was like great, you know. Was it Jane Fonda telling that guy to go fuck himself? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, um, they had, you know, uh, what's his name? Richard, no, Ricardo Montalban, member from mm-hmm. Fantasy oh, yeah. Island. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, oh, I'm rooting for, you know, Bobby Riggs, man muscle. And he's like, in front of the thing. And even Chris Everett, she was young. She's like, I'm rooting for Bobby Riggs. I, well, she didn't say I'm rooting. She's like, I think Bobby Riggs is going to win. So like nobody was was picking Billie Jean to like come out and really do this great thing. Obviously she wins. Yes. Like that's the whole thing. She wins. And right before the right before the game, a reporter says, you know, they're all chasing after her before she goes onto the court and he's like, "Men are better." End of story. And she turns around, she's like, "I'm not saying women are better. I never said that. We deserve some respect. Is your father better than your mother just because he's a man?" So like there's constant battle and it's like so gross mm-hmm. to watch this because like like Howard Cosell is like he's he's on there and he's talking to a reporter and he's got his arm around her, you know, like smoking cigarettes and like, hey, babe, you know, tell us about this. And mm-hmm. it's like just, that happened. And it wasn't that long ago that no. women were looked down upon so horribly. So why people should watch this. It's just it's 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 so important to see how far women have come and the shit show that they've had to deal with and mm-hmm. and still deal with the fight for equality you know and it's 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 i cringed at all of the men in this movie acting superior and i i remember just being sexualized when i first started working you know in the workforce like men yeah. were just the way i looked and my hair and stuff so now here's what they get at my work they get no makeup they get my hair back in a bun and I like, like nobody has ever seen past my collarbone at work. Mm-hmm. Like I just, because of like, just growing up when I did and just seeing everything and knowing everything, it's just, it's so frustrating, but 
you know, we've come a long way, but we have still, still a whole, we have tons to go. We still have so much more to go. And this movie just really pulls you into it and it makes you realize that, yes, we've come far, but we have so, so much further to go there. Wow. Whew, that was exhausting. <laughs> it sounds excellent and infuriating. Yes. Yes, it was. All at the same time. But you have the peace of mind knowing that, that we really have come a long way since then. You know, you will cringe at like just how the reporters and the announcers are just biggest assholes ever. And they're just so mean about women and to women without any consequences. You know, now you can't say any of that. I mean, lawsuits, you'll lose your job. You know, good things. Yeah. <laughs> so. Although it's interesting hearing about that against the backdrop of, you know, seeing like with the Olympics about what was it? The Norwegian women's was a volleyball oh, they team. Did the- yeah, yeah, they would do the bikini. Yeah. <laughs> they got fined for wearing right. shorts instead of bikini bottoms, which is like, well, that's a hundred percent rooted in misogyny. Right. And right. I recently listened to a book called Work Won't Love You Back by Sarah Jaffe, which was very good. I thought it was gonna be a book about how to create better boundaries between like yourself and your your work and your work life. Because I thought after laziness doesn't exist, that would be a perfect follow-on, right? That's not what it's about at all, (laughs) (laughs) at all. It's like industry by industry, the reason why people are overworked and underpaid and like, what is the historical reasons behind it? Where, what are the systemic things that continue into today? Some of it was really interesting seeing about how like the culture around retail workers and teachers actually come up from a very similar place of like, oh, we're going to have mostly women do them. It's a caring profession. They're caring people. They should be willing to do it for less money. But there, there's a section on sports and the author interviews, I think she was like the head of the U.S. women's hockey team at the Olympics at some point or something. I don't know. She's the one who there's like, a, there's a couple and like one of them was on the American team and one of them was on the Canadian team. And I think the lesbian community went nuts when we found out about them a couple of years ago. They interviewed her, the American one. <laughs> um, but talking about how like, professional NHL, these men make a shit ton of money, but to be a professional women's hockey player, very similar to professional women's soccer, where even actually like in previous Olympics in other big soccer events, this is where it's like a sports ball. I don't know anything about sports. Um, but we're like, people are actually more excited about the U S women's team for soccer than they are about the men's. And they just make so much less money. And so it's kind of one of those, like, yeah, we have come so far, but we still have so right. far to go. Right. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sad. And it's, and it's with every sport. It's just, it's unreal. I mean, mm-hmm. I just, and that's, and one thing Billie Jean said, which she's like, look, look at the stands. We're bringing in just as many spectators, you know, to the sport as the men are. And like, oh, it's not true. You know, it's just, it's just, it's, it is, it's very frustrating. But at the same time, there's like, at the very end, you're like, yes. <laughs> And then, and don't Google about like, like don't Google anything else about the movie. I wasn't going to. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so then I'm like, okay, well, how true is this? And I read like, you know, Billie Jean was really involved in this. And, and she said she would only do it if there was the sexuality, a storyline was added to it. Oh, so good. that was kind of cool. Yeah. So she really yeah. pushed for that. But then like later, you know, like in, I don't know, 2014, somebody said, oh, the mob rigged it. Like it was rigged. The mob did something. They, they are responsible for it, but I don't believe it. 
Did they? Or is that just people being jerks because they don't like the idea that a woman won? I'm going to go with that one. That's what I'm going with. But I was like, come on. You know, Mm -hmm. but then again, anything online, you you can find anything, whether it's true or not online. So I'm going to go with it's not true. And she beat him. And she's awesome. And I love tennis. And I thought this was a good movie. Very good. So I've talked enough. What about you? What is your (laughs) big recommendation for this week? This is the book that I was reading last time. My recommendation for this week is Covenant by Anne McMahon. And like I was saying last time, it is the fourth book in the Jericho series. And so for anybody that didn't listen to the last episode, I'll give you a teeny weeny catch up. I know, but it's possible. It's possible. And for people who did listen, thank you for bearing with me as I'm going to say a thing you just heard me say last time. But it's the fourth book in the series, but I think this is one of the most interesting series that I've ever read because it started as a romance. The first book is very much a, a traditional, very lovely lesbian romance friends to lovers you watch the friendship develop and then the romance develop very quirky quite long in terms of like lesbian romances so if you're looking for like really good bang for your buck go get jericho it's a good one for that but then the second book aftermath is a general fiction the series does not stay romance and that's when like a tornado whips through town what do they do in the aftermath of that there's it's very very comedic um a lot of great things happen there the next one is goldenrod and it gets a little bit darker and it was published four years ago. So it would have been Trump was president at that point for about a year. And you kind of see some of those politics creeping into the town. The mayor is a bigot who uh, I mean, it's one of those towns where there's a lot of gay people in it, even though it's like a tiny something Virginia to isolate a town right i mean you know like as as we find in our uh lesbian series where you're like how many lesbians work at this <laughs> hospital i know <laughs> it's not unlike that but still like works for me i'm i'm quite happy with it and right. it's uh you know maddie and Sid, why did it take me that long? Oh my god. But yeah, so it's like Maddie and Sid are the main couple. There's uh Roma Jean Freemantles. Uh, she's a teenager who lives in the town and she gets a girlfriend in that book. David is Maddie's best friend and he's been married to Michael for ever. But the mayor is very homophobic, going after undocumented immigrants in the community. Pretty horrible. The book ends with him being found dead at the end of the 4th of July picnic. And so now with Covenant is where it picks up. I don't know for sure if you can read it as a standalone. I think you probably could. And it would probably be fine. But I would say for anybody who's really wondering and you're at all inclined, go back and read all the other ones because you will definitely enjoy it more if you've read it. But I just don't think it's necessarily an impediment if you haven't read it. But it basically opens at six weeks later and there's an investigation going on to try to find out, okay, how did he die? And so one of the most brilliant things about the construction of this book is each chapter, except for I think the last one or two, actually starts with someone from town being interviewed by the police about the events of that night. Uh And it alternates between what they say out loud and what they're thinking. And you never actually get the voice of the interviewer and you don't need it because there's enough context in what they're saying for you to be able to follow the line of questioning. But what I love is how you see the difference between what people choose to say and what they keep concealed because it's what they feel about it. And that tension between like, what do people conceal and what do they reveal 
is something that I've seen numerous times across Anne McMahon's books. It's a major, major theme in Backcast. Absolutely love that book. And I loved seeing that again here because it also shows that like when you put them all together, everyone is relieved that this guy is dead just because he's terrible. And the thing that you see in the town, like it's a, it's, um, I would say of all the other books in the series that it's like, it's probably the most like Goldenrod. And it kind of continues with that following some difficult themes. There's more homophobia in this book because this guy, Gerald Watson, who is the mayor, brings that Trump element into play. Not that I actually even necessarily think that Trump himself is homophobic. I think he's too opportunistic to have strong feelings either way. He's just going to express whatever the people he's talking to believes about right. it. But in this way, sure. so maybe, maybe this guy is more like Mike Pence per se, who I do believe is very earnest in his homophobia. I believe he <laughs> means it very, very it's, much. Ugh. But having somebody like Watson in charge of the town for so long has really emboldened some of the like highly religious people to really like speak their minds about their homophobia and to feel like they can do it without repercussion. And so you see these effects of like, it's kind of like Trump's America in this one tiny town. And how do they deal with that? Because all the characters that we've grown to know and love are either queer or they're queer allies. And how do they kind of like find their way in this new world? And how do they make peace in it? The other thing that I really thought was handled really, really beautifully is that, you know, each book kind of has its own theme or its own thing that it's really digging into. And I think in this one, it really is the idea of fatherhood, relationships with fathers, which then you can really extend to overall all the patriarchy. And so we see, you know, there are some good dads in this book, thank goodness, and in the series. So we see like Roma Jean, she was the the teenager that I said got a girlfriend in the last book. And we see her dad stand up for her and how she just, right? Like it's so sweet. And then we see James, who is the father of Henry. Henry is the little boy that Maddie and Sid are raising, but they still want James. Like James basically, it's a long ass story, but basically <laughs> he's still involved in their lives, but he's asked if they can raise his son and they're very happily doing so. But like seeing this dad who is still finding a way to be a part of his son's life in a really positive way, but while making sure he has the best life he can with these two women raising him. And then you see these other dads that are fucking horrible, uh. horrible. And so there's like a dad who blows back into town that like he had beaten the hell out of his queer daughter when she was a teenager. And it's like, what is he trying to do now? Is he actually trying to rebuild in good faith or is he trying to do something else that's awful? We do hear about fathers who sexually abuse their children. Uh. Now I want to be really clear about this though. It's never, it's never described. There are never details provided at all. You just learn that. I mean, I had a very strong suspicion about the one character that it applies to. I was very surprised about the other character. I don't think pleasantly surprised is the right way to put it because I would never kind of wish that on anybody. Right. But I appreciated that in sharing that it's a reminder that sexual abuse doesn't only happen to little girls. Like, because it kind of goes into the history of, of one of the characters. And so ultimately why I recommend this book, even though it does have a lot of difficult subject matter is that I found it very cathartic to read. 
Like we've all been going through a lot of difficult things. And even if you take away the pandemic, like just the effects that Trump has had definitely on the US, but I mean, that has extended to so many other countries and even in countries where, yeah, I mean, like Canada, we, we very much have, have felt a lot of that anxiety on behalf of our American friends and family. And then you see those politics going into other places like Australia and Hungary. And I mean, frankly, even my province within Canada, I found it really affirming and good to see where things land at the end. Because it's not like everything is perfect. I mean, the town is still going to have challenges. No, it's not. But the way it turns out feels right. Like the scales are balanced enough for everybody to be able to move forward meaningfully. And so I don't know that there's actually going to, for anybody wondering, because every so often I get asked if I know if there are going to be more books in the series at any given time. I think as people know that I'm a gigantic Anne McMahon fangirl. I don't know that there's going to be one. I did see her say on Facebook that it's likely the last one. I would be content if it ended here. It feels like a fitting end and that everybody is going to be okay and they're making their way in the world. I mean, I would not be opposed to reading more stories in this world. I would pick them up for sure in a heartbeat, but I I just felt like kind of like you felt about the last season of Winona Earp when I asked you, like, did they do it justice? Right. I feel like Anne McMahon did it justice. Do you still feel sad though? Like, are you sad about it? Or like you're saying goodbye to something that you've been on this journey for so many years. Yeah. You know what? I, I don't because it's wrapped up. Uh, perfect. Good. I just like the right way. Like it's so fitting. And I mean, yeah, I would love to see, especially like, I would love to see a future book for Dorothy because Dorothy is actually the daughter of the mayor. And so after he's dead, she has to go live somewhere because her mom's been dead for years. And she goes to live with Maddie's mother, Celine. And Celine takes her, she's been teaching her piano and she really loves piano. And she takes her to New York City to go see somebody performing. I cannot remember the famous piano person that they're performing. But anyway, to see this like really incredible classical music performance. And she's so moved and she's so energized to be in the city that I just immediately could imagine this whole world in which this 14-year-old girl grows up and maybe she goes to New York. I don't know. Maybe she goes to Juilliard. Maybe she goes to university. Something. Say, maybe she goes to school there. Yeah. But like, I can, I can just see it now, just because I can see it does not mean that the author can see it every so often. And can you see it? <laughs> I, right. I don't know. Every so often I'll just throw a thing out there that I'm like, and I, I usually do it in reviews and I'm like, I wouldn't mind seeing a book about this character. And once in a while authors do it. And I don't think it's just because I do it, but I have to think it doesn't hurt that I've put right. the energy out in the universe. So perhaps I'm putting a little bit of energy out in the universe <laughs> and we will see what the universe comes back with. <laughs> that is all for this I was episode. putting it out there. Right? <laughs> I was. Okay. Yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, No, that is all for this episode. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, for sticking with us as we got silly as we do on Monday Uh, nights. If you've enjoyed this episode, please, 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 if you're not already uh, hit that subscribe button, wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll always get notified when we release a new episode. If you have a friend that you think would like queerly recommended, please just let them know about it. 
Or if you want to connect with us on social media, just search for us at Clearly Recommended on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all of that. Twitter, everywhere. I said that everywhere. <laughs> or just email us at uh, podcast at clearlyrecommended.com. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Let's see how long this was. That was a thousand oh, hours. It's a long one. It's <laughs> almost an hour and a half. <laughs> and well, half the incredible. stuff we can stop for like I went on and on about Battle of the Sexes because by the way. You have a lot to say about which? Battle of the Sexes. Oh, good. Good. I'm looking forward to hearing it. It's there's a lot going on. And I saw it the first time, you know, I saw it when it came out because I was like, you know, who who wants to watch this movie? You know what I'm saying? It was mm-hmm. one of those where it's like, uh, Emma Stone. Cool. I'll watch it because of that. So mm-hmm. but watching it with like a mission, sort of, in a way, mm-hmm. it, hit, it hit me so differently than it did in 2017. But we'll Whoa. talk about that, too. I'm looking forward to hearing it. So you're That's good exciting. to kick everything off. Is the yes. is the text big enough? Do you want me to make it any bigger? I'm good. Wow. I'm trying to be conscientious. <laughs> this is how we know that one of us does 20 hours of Zoom meetings a week and one uh, of us does not. Does not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be, I, I'm fine. It's fine. I can read it. Mm-hmm. Neil, if you do listen to this part, Chris just gave me double middle fingers for that. <laughs> double, not just one. Normally feisty me is one. That's you got two. super feisty. Super <laughs> Double feisty. <laughs> oh my God. All right. Well, you get started whenever you feel ready. Okay. All right. <sighs> oh, wait. Pull your microphone a little bit away from your. Yeah. Say some words with T's and P's in them. Toilet paper. Okay. Paper. 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 Yeah, that's not so bad. It was doing that. It was doing the like. Yeah, it was doing that before. <laughs> damn i'm like all weird okay here we it's go it's a monday um this season so that i learned more about it i think you might be frozen are you frozen you're frozen nope i'm unfrozen but you're frozen Check, baby, check, baby, one, two, three. No, your sound is coming through there now. All right. I just had to change. It reset. It reset my microphone and the audio coming back to me so that it would have gone through my laptop instead of this beautiful microphone. That's true. Please sing something in it. No.